0: Welcome to the Craft to Career Podcast with Elizabeth Chapel, where every week we dive into how you can turn your craft into a successful career. Get ready to have the career you've always dreamed of. Hello and welcome to episode 68 of the Craft to Career Podcast. I am Elizabeth Chapel of Quilters Candy, the host of the podcast. This week I am excited to have Sharon Holland of Sharon Holland Designs on the podcast. She has been a friend of mine almost as long as I have been in this industry, and she also is one of my absolute favorite quilt pattern designers and fabric designers. Plus, she is so friendly. Like, you will see what I mean when we talk about quilt pattern testers and how envious I am of her quilt pattern testers, but she's just a gem, and I'm really excited and honored to have her here on the podcast Before I introduce Sharon, I'm going to read a review. This comes from N and M Smith. This person says, life changing. This podcast is a must listen if you are desiring to turn your craft into your career. It has turned my quilt business daydreaming into actual steps towards making it a day job. Elizabeth is in tune with what new entrepreneurs need to make a career out of their craft. She lays out steps and gives insights that are practical and understandable. This podcast gave me the push and confidence to take a leap of faith into opening an online quilt shop. I can't wait to hear the next episode. All right, N and M. Smith, you'll have to reach out on Instagram and tell me who you are because this just makes me so happy. I love that you opened a quilt shop, that you have turned your daydreaming into a day job. That is what it's all about. I am so proud of you, so excited for you, and I am deeply honored that this podcast played any sort of role in that. So thank you for being a listener and thank you so much for your review. And if you are listening and you have a desire to turn your daydreaming of being a quilt pattern writer into a job, I am excited to share that coming up at the beginning of September, i will be opening my signature course it is the quilt pattern writing course i only open it once a year it's a very in-depth inclusive course you will make sure you have time to to be actively involved in the course but it is a game changer i will dive deep into all of the things you need to know to actually have a lucrative career as a quilt pattern writer And I will be sharing more. If this is something you're interested in, click the link in my bio and you can join the waitlist and I'll be in touch. Or you can go to my website, it's www.quilterscandy.com and go to the courses area and you'll see the quilt pattern writing course. You can learn more about it there or join the waitlist. And I'm just getting really excited over here, preparing for that, excited to have the new cohort of students join me. And with that in mind, let me jump in. And I'm going to introduce you to Sharon Holland, like I said, one of my absolute all-time favorite quilt pattern designers and fabric designer. Today we have a great friend of mine who I absolutely adore both as a person and an artist. It is Sharon Holland of Sharon Holland Designs. She is a designer for Art Gallery Fabrics, and I just, she is just so cool. I'm excited to jump in and have you get to meet her if you haven't seen her artwork already. And if you have, you'll get to hear and learn more about her. So Sharon, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hi, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me back.
0: Oh, yes. I
1: love your podcasts and you. Well, I and, I love you as well. And
0: you're a new art gallery fabric design sister. I'm so excited. I, I mean, I'm so excited too. i loved art gallery from the moment I started quilting and then going to Quilt Market and meeting you. We met first when you made those little keychains. Which line of yours was uh, that? Tapestry tapestry. That and I still that. remember you saying it seemed like such a good idea at first until I started making them. And I had <laughs> to make so many of them.
1: That was a little aggressive with all the
0: other <laughs> things going on at the time. Yes. <laughs> I still have mine. I still have it. Uh-huh. <laughs> I love it. So can you share with us your history, like your work history, how you got started as a fabric designer? Okay.
1: Um, my Life as a fabric designer is actually very young. I think it's still in infancy because it's really only been since 20, well, since 2009 that I said to myself, I want to try this and 2010 when it actually started happening. So to me, that that doesn't feel very long, although in a way it feels like an eternity because (laughs) there's a lot of work, but it's really not very long. Um, But I have a a very rich background, I guess, as far as how I got to this point. Um, I went to college in the 80s for art and design. Life was completely different then. I mean, they were just coming out with PCs. And I even had said to my parents at one time, I don't even know why I would own a computer. I don't know what to do with it. (laughs) (laughs) And look at me now. Uh, (laughs) Oh my gosh. I do so much on the computer, but it was a completely different animal there then Mm -hmm. than what it is now and not user-friendly and all that kind of stuff. So, um, uh, but I, I have been trained in the process of making art. Like, um, of course, drawing and, and learning all the different things that makes good art and, and, and that, but also just what I learned, I think what I took away the most with my schooling was that the process is just as important as the end result. How you took that concept or that assignment and how you got to the end part, you might do 50 to 100 iterations in between. And it's so important to do that. And that's what I learned. And that's why I don't, um, I'll take one of my designs and it'll be good, but I'll say, oh gosh, I think I want to do it a different way or I want to try a different way. And sometimes I'll try several different ways of the same thing and ultimately, hopefully get to the end result or I go back to the beginning. It doesn't matter to me. That process is really important. So anyway, so I have I have that as a background, Um, but then there's a a huge gap, a huge gap because I got out of college, I got married, I raised my family. I the it wasn't until let's see, I don't even know when that was, what year that was. So it would have been, I moved here in Ohio in January of two thousand and six, and I had just um, finished. When we moved, I had had a business doing like um, antique, buying resale items, doing booth, reworking stuff, and and this vintage kind of stuff that I was doing. It was very successful. When we moved, I just like liquidated everything and quit. And then I got here. And of course, there's a new house and stuff to do. So you're busy with that. But then when you get that all settled down, I went what am I going to do now? I've got no direction. I had only one kid home at the time who was starting junior high, I believe. No, I had two. I had two kids here, high school and junior high and you know, they're taking care of themselves and stuff like that. Pretty much. I just didn't know what to do. So we went to an art exhibit and saw a Rembrandt etchings exhibit and the whole a story behind his etchings was he was doing these etchings so his art could be affordable to the everyday common person. And it was so cool. And I'm like, oh, I should just dust off my art stuff and get started on that. So I started dinking around with watercolors and drawing and just doing stuff, just, just producing stuff with no real goal in mind what to do. But after a while, just like with any craft that you do Mm -hmm. you start creating stuff you go okay now what do I do with all this so you kind of look to selling it or something so I started thinking about this Rembrandt thing and how he he basically was doing these etchings which were uh, lithograph etchings so they could be mass produced and I'm thinking I do love printing and stuff so I uh, started submitting my Photos and drawings and stuff like that to card companies, um greeting card companies because I like the idea of things in print.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: I got a phone call. <laughs> I know, and this is this is not digital sending things in. This is printing things out to the size, da da da, da mailing them out. You know, uh, go, wow, you would, you would get these books that were like uh, I don't know what it was called, but it was like every year they'd put out this new book of of companies design companies that are looking for artists and stuff like that that have submission guidelines and stuff so I got the books and and <laughs> you know filled it out and sent things in and I got a phone call from design design which is a really a uh, big company for um, greeting cards and that and I had this photograph of a magnolia tree that they wanted to use for a sympathy card but hey it's in print <laughs> right. um, I need sympathy cards. Um, (laughs) So anyway, so actually, and that was, wow. So that was about 2007, 2008. Mm -hmm. It just got retired this year. Oh, wow. I know I was getting royalties (laughs) on it all that time. That's awesome. But they, they give me a phone call, right. And um, they say they want such and such a file, I don't know, JPEG, maybe 300 DPI. And I'm like, what? (laughs) What do you want? I have no idea what you want. How do I send this? (laughs) It didn't occur to me that I had to know that other. Right. So then what that did was I said, okay. if this is really going to be something, if this is going to turn into something, I need to learn what the heck is going on here. I need to learn the computers. I need to know know how to do these Adobe stuff. And so we had a wonderful, we have a wonderful community college um, just, you know, north of us here. And um, I looked it up and they had a really good program for digital print. To, it, to get certified because I already had a college to de- BS college degree. I didn't need to take the full thing. I could just go in and get these certifications and that's all I need. I don't need a degree or anything. Right. Degree. So digital print certification and desktop publishing certification were the two things that I wanted to focus on. And from there, I learned how to do printing from screen printing to digital, the big machines and stuff hmm. to, um, and then uh, desktop top publishing taught me all the Adobe suites a- a- as far as printing goes, like Illustrator, InDesign, and Photoshop. Cool. And I also took, uh, just because I love it, I took another photography class on, you know, just uh, developing black and white photography because I love that. I had had that in college, but I wanted another refresher. So anyway, mm-hmm. um, throw all this together with what I already knew about stuff. And um, I loved it. Loved it. Loved it. it. Uh, Finished that in just taking a couple of classes each semester. I finished that like in two years. And um, then I, and they didn't teach me how to do textile design. And again, this is, this is 2009. Okay. There is not a lot out there on how to do textile designs, Mm
0: -hmm. but
1: I'd always been sewing and I love fabric and I love, the printed fabric and I'm like okay I have all this information now what am I going to do with it I think I can do this awesome <laughs> and I figured it out I don't know if still don't know if I do it the right way but it works I mm-hmm. can do all my own repeats and and everything um so um so I for about six months just churned out stuff for me just you know, because at the beginning, and and you can relate to this. Now, mm-hmm. at the beginning, you're like grasping for straws. You're mm-hmm. like, "What I can do a polka dot, you know, whatever, <laughs> yeah. whatever works that you can make as a repeating thing." That's where you start, and you yep. just make. And you may not even have a sense of your style at the beginning. You're just creating stuff, and that's what I did—just volumes of stuff. Um, then, after doing volumes of stuff, I could start kind of seeing what really appealed to me—the directions and stuff. Plus, I'm just learning how to do this all together. So, I was really not very proficient at the beginning, and super proficient now. But yeah. you know, all proud of part of the process. And again, that just doing, doing, doing will make you proficient at anything. Mm-hmm. But, um, so. Then I felt I had something, you know, put together what I thought was a collection type of thing, got out my book, (laughs) (laughs) searched around online, you know, looking at companies and stuff like that. And I sent out about six submissions. And again, this is physical hard stuff that I sent out, right?
0: (laughs) (laughs) you know
1: know, I didn't know but I'm also thinking back to the time period there may not have been any other options it's not I don't think there was send in send in a pdf or anything like that so so I did what was cutting edge at the time right yeah I got a phone call of the well those ones I sent out um paintbrush studio called me up and said we really like what you're doing we'd like to sign you on as a designer. Huh. And I was so excited. <laughs> <laughs> so I put out four collections with Paintbrush
0: Studio. From, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, from 2010 to about 2012. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, then at that time, okay, so I'm doing the fabric stuff, and because they, Fabric companies work in conjunction with magazines, as far as uh, quilts to show off the fabric and in there, I had a, you know, at least one per collection, actually more, but um, you do a lot of that back and forth and that gets you that exposure. Well, I also got to meet, you know, air quotes of uh, connections of editors and the people for the different magazines. Mm -hmm. And at that time, Deborah Hearn was the editor of Quilt Magazine, which Quilt Magazine, I don't think they brought it back, but it had, um, they'd ceased to do that after a while. So um, we got a lot of back and forth with her and really hit it off. And at the point that she was ready to move on to do something new she called me up and said hey we're starting this new magazine i think you'll be perfect to be my assistant editor for this and i'm like oh, wow i mean i wasn't looking for this and again i go i don't know how to do any of that mm-hmm. <laughs> oh how, why do, what makes you think that i can do this and she's like you can do this so she probably saw a lot of stuff and our back and forth and mm-hmm. the files I'd send her and things I would do, she probably saw a lot in what I could do. I'm yeah. Sure. So um, so I was getting a little, oh, I don't know, dissatisfied with the company that I was designing for, for various reasons. And the reason I I have to explain is nothing on their part What I realized after working for two years with them was that, yes, it's wonderful to become a fabric designer, but that's not the end all. I think you need to have the good fit with the fabric company. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize that at first. I just thought, oh, you become a fabric designer and that's it. Everything's wonderful. No, I think you really have to choose, get the right fit for your aesthetics and stuff. And yep. my aesthetics were at that time. Now they have changed since then, but my sex at that time were different than what they, they were doing.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: it was a good timing for everything. Cause I was getting very dissatisfied with that. I didn't know what to do next. And here, this opportunity just fell in my lap. Awesome. So that was huge, 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 because it was a complete startup magazine. It was so it, Sew It Today and Quilt It Today. It was a bi-monthly thing. So Quilt It Today was a bi-monthly. And the months between that was Sew It Today. Completely start up. And what turned out, what I was going to be the assistant editor, turned out that I was the person who designed the magazine. Uh, I designed the whole look of it. I wrote all the patterns for it laid out the magazine, got it ready for press, took the photographs, yes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> mailed all the projects back to everybody, worked with the maker, the you know, the designers and makers and stuff. Um it was huge what I wow did. You know, yes, when, when I was ready to quit I had I had to train four people to take my mm-hmm. one place. I did way too much. Anyway, so that was the Most stressful two and a half years in my entire life, I thought I was going to have a nervous breakdown at the end. Mm -hmm. Um, So, but huge, huge learning. I know looking at your questions that you're going to ask me and I'll jump ahead. (laughs) Yeah, I do. How did I learn how to write patterns? Well, it was trial by fire. It was right there in the trenches. I was learning how to write the patterns and do stuff. Wow. So, yeah.
0: But you learned, I mean...
1: Every month, we turned every, well, actually, every three weeks, I was
0: turning out a magazine. It was 68 pages. Yeah. That's great. So what I'm, my (laughs) mind is going all over the place, but you've never self-published a book. I don't, why? Because you know how. I
1: kind of did because (laughs) my book that I did have, um, I ended up uh, laying that whole thing out, taking almost all the photographs for it. And of course, writing all the patterns and the right written part of it was done ahead of time. But there was like a huge delay in it and I wasn't satisfied with the photographs that we were doing and stuff like that. So by the time that we needed to get it to press, I had two weeks to get it done and I did it in two weeks. Oh my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> Just, but I knew I knew that was a short time to be completely stressed out, but I got it done. So,
0: so that wow. my
1: book is, is really all my work. <laughs> yeah.
0: So you learned, I mean, so this answers a lot of my questions. A here, lot right? of questions. Yeah. You're great at photography. You're good at all the things, but you had to learn in this crazy scenario. So, yes, yeah. Huh. Okay. So I mean, terrible while you're going through it, but it's really paid off.
1: Oh, I know. Really? Honestly, I wouldn't have given up the experiences for anything. Yeah, anything.
0: yeah. And so, how did you find art gallery fabrics? How did that relationship Okay, start? so that that's
1: interesting too. So, because I was working on the magazine, I uh, they were one of the companies that we worked with. You know, as far as um, doing their uh, projects, you know, type thing or sewing with their. I did a lot of the sewing too, uh, sewing with their stuff and um, photographing it and that. And I loved working with them. You know, they were just super cool company to work with. I just loved everything that they were doing, social media wise, um, the fabrics, the, the, the quality of the fabrics and the prints and just the freshness of the everything about it. Um, and then I'd go to quilt market, for the magazine and I got to meet them and all that in person and just fell in love with them. So six months before I left, I gave my six months notice training four people still putting out the magazine and moonlighting, putting together a collection to submit to
0: Art Gallery Fabrics. I feel like a schmuck listening to all this. I'm <laughs> like, come on, Elizabeth, <laughs> you can do this. <laughs>
1: So, <laughs> so, um, we went to quilt market and i made, had made an appointment ahead of time with Pat, um, to show her my stuff. And, um, I was so nervous. So I said, I said to Deb, I said, okay, I only want to submit to art gallery fabrics. If it doesn't work, well, then that's the universe telling me that I need to move on and do something else. This is it. It's one shot. I got signed on right there
0: no way yes (laughs)
1: yes yes
0: that is so (laughs) cool so i knew the
1: universe was telling me i should be (laughs) doing what i
0: yeah so which i just have to like similar because well i'm with art gallery now but when i first got into the quilting world every fabric that i was drawn to the aesthetic i was like what who what company is this art gallery art gallery art gallery (laughs) i was like okay this is my place." And you are one of them, but I am super curious hearing you talk about paintbrush, paintbrush studios, right? That's where yeah, you are. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. How yes. did your aesthetic change? What did it look like then compared to um, now?
1: Okay, so he, you ask good questions because this is all, I think, I think, again, this is process thing of it. Mm-hmm. And I think it's so important. So again, that was early in my design career where again, I have... I have a direction I want to go, but sometimes the fabrics don't always go that direction you want it to go, you know, mm-hmm. you, you know, you've got an idea, but they kind of take on their own life sometimes. Anyway, so I did the best that I could with my abilities at that time. And however, I didn't have a strong enough um, sense of myself, I think. hmm so I could easily be swayed by maybe what I thought other people wanted. Yep. And I wasn't listening to myself. And that's kind of like, that's the kiss of death with anything. Even mm-hmm. when I was in the retail stuff, if I bought what I liked, my aesthetic, that stuff sold like hotcakes. If I ever bought on kind of Thinking, oh, I think someone's gonna really like this. Those stuff just sat there and sat there. So you hmm. really have to listen to your inner compass and you not necessarily be swayed by trends because that might not be you. Just find your inner voice, then you will find your place, type of thing.
0: That is so it was said. it was one of
1: those situations where I was doing my thing, but my thing was still kind of overshadowed by what I thought other people wanted
0: yeah and
1: then the people I was working with at the time um you know they had different aesthetics so I'm trying to please their aesthetics not my aesthetics yeah yeah even if you look at the my history with art gallery fabrics my style has changed at the beginning again you're in a new environment you're just want to get that first collection out
0: mm-hmm. you know
1: type thing and even though my style is there my style has been there all the time it's definitely stronger now than it was at the beginning mm-hmm. it's maybe bolder maybe i'm a little more risk taker now than yep. i was then whereas playing it safe yep. type thing. so um so and you'll see that in your own work there'll come a time where it'll just kind of switch for you and you'll go I'm just doing whatever the heck I want here because I'm excited this for that right for me you know mm-hmm, yep and you will not think about what anybody else wants just what you think is right
0: so well and I feel like a baby here but I'm just gonna ask is kind of vulnerable but so can, I, I'm working on my second collection yeah. and I have in my mind what I want and then I go to draw it and create it and it's it's not that you know. I'm like. That's nah. what I was
1: talking about. Sometimes it just doesn't do what you want it to do. Yes.
0: So that's well. Normal. In that case,
1: just keep keep. Like, like what I'll do is I will go. Okay, that's great. Now I tear it down, mm-hmm. tear it down, and do it again. Tear okay. it down and do it again, and 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 maybe you can control it better. As you do <laughs> I don't more know. that, it's, yeah. yeah, it's
0: tough. We'll see. And then I did want to ask, I want to say Kismet, your floral, where there's a bunch of flowers all together. Did you make that in Adobe or Photoshop?
1: I do all my stuff. Well, most everything. Oh, well, anything that's of uh, sometimes just the the simple stuff I'll do just on the computer, directly on the computer. But all the big stuff that you're thinking about, like the, the Floron. Mm hmm that is all hand drawn to begin with. And then mm-hmm. I scan it, import it into illustrator to vectorize it. And I always work in illustrator cause I like vector art rather than the Photoshop, which is the, the pixels. Um, yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, it's all hand drawn. I like that control of pencil to paper. Mm-hmm. I'm just so old school that way. I
0: just, it's, I just have to do it that way. And have you ever, I know I've asked you this before and I'm going to keep asking you until <laughs> I get what I want, but <laughs> are you ever up for putting out a course on your process of drawing and how you make fabric designs?
1: You know, I thought about that, but I think what makes my stuff so unique is that I don't share how I do okay. it. Okay, ah, Yeah, I know it that sounds really <laughs> selfish in this in this uh, world of everybody sharing their process, but. I just think my stuff has a look
0: that no one else has captured yet. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And one of the questions I want to ask is, I remember chatting with you and you were saying a lot of times people feel like when I become a fabric designer, it's very lucrative. Oh, I've made it. And at first it's generally not so at what point I mean <laughs> not at the beginning <laughs> was there a point in with AGF where you were like okay this people have they know me they they like my stuff like what where yeah. which line was that Um
1: well for me the big shift the big shift was in fact uh I can I can pinpoint a lot of things so uh, Signature and Everlasting are a pivot point for me because before Signature, I actually told Pat I was going to quit and she wouldn't let me. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so when I did Signature, I'm like, okay, then I'm just going to do what I want. You know, it's mm-hmm. just, I like, that's it. We're just going to, we're just going to, so there was that shift. And Signature started kind of this trend for me to have just a whole bunch of different prints in a collection. I don't know, there's like maybe 13 different ones in Signature, a lot. And then Everlasting was just a small collection. It was just a 10 piece, but there's 10 different prints in there. And, um, but the, where really now, now we've pivoted, And now we're taking off was Spirited. Mm -hmm. Spirited was another one where I said, I'm just doing, going to do what just gives me butterflies, every one of these things. And, and that one did. And then it just took off and then Kismet was after Spirited. So I've, I've got some momentum here after Spirited and this, this feeling of really getting going And, um, it's just been that way since with everything, everything since spirited. I
0: mean, Kismet is probably, dare I say my most favorite collection of all time. That's a big thing to say, (laughs) but it really speaks to me. I think there will be a lot of people that agree with you on that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I just love it. It would be a
1: real iconic collection for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And what, how, well, well, okay. Well, I'll jump into this question. How long does it generally take you to create one collection?
1: Well, like I said, the more you do, the more proficient you get. And the more you understand yourself, so you're not second guessing yourself or anything like that. So it's just, it will get better. Um, but now, like if I put my mind to it and I say, okay, I'm going to start a collection, I would say, and, and I can, I'm the kind of person I need to just focus on one thing at a time. I Mm -hmm. don't like to multitask. So when I say I'm going to work on a collection, that's all I'm working and thinking and breathing about. A week will get me the bulk of it. Just the whole, you know, like the main essence of it. Then I spend another couple of weeks just tweaking it out. um, Giving my mind a little rest to... Fill in maybe some gaps that need to be for it. Mm -hmm. So three weeks to a month, and I could be done. Maybe less.
0: Wow. Yeah, because
1: I do have like a huge archive of stuff too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Sometimes I just kind of start. Oh, well, let's just kind of see what's in the vault. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Add from there, so I don't have to always be making a zillion prints each time. So.
0: And when you say start from the vault, do you mean you go to your notebook, your pen and paper, or you look at your digital things or both?
1: Um, I I pretty much have uh just uh what I call my archives of prints that are just right about. They just might okay. need to be colored or something.
0: Yeah. Which brings up another question. When it comes to colors, do you generally choose your own color palette for a for a fabric line? Um,
1: well, what I do is So here's, okay, here's a really good, helpful hint to designers. And this is what has, I I started doing this actually with Everlasting and have done it since, and I have found this to be invaluable. So before, I used to be when I, I'm going to back, I flip all over because my brain doesn't go in one direct straight line. Um, Used to be I'd make prints and put things together and like the last thing that would happen would be naming it. Mm -hmm. Now I usually start with a name and I already know the direction and everything like that from the start. So that's a really good place to be, is if when you get to the place that you're starting with a name and then you're just working backwards.
0: Yeah. So you're already
1: working with a full picture. But What I have found to be so invaluable for myself is, especially if I already have a name or I just have a really good idea, it may not even have words to it, but I I know the feeling it might want to evoke for a collection. Um, I search around online, generally Pinterest, um, and I want one picture. I just want to find one picture that captures the mood that I want to create with this collection. And I've always picked pictures that have a person in it because that way I'm also designing for a person. Cool. Yeah. And generally, actually all the time, not even generally, all the times, the palette I start with, not necessarily the palette we end with, but the palette I start with for that design has been pulled from that one picture. Hmm. So I just use the eyedropper and I pull things, and then I, I um, convert them to Pantone colors mm-hmm. and create myself a palette. That way, when I give my submission to Art Gallery Fabrics, it's very cohesive. I mean, it, it looks like it's a collection. It's got the inspiration photo that they can right off see. Boom, I understand what this is all about. Mm-hmm. I see the colors relate to what she's sending in to me. I can see the mood, I know the vibe, I know the, the audience that this is geared for. And sometimes and then that way too, if I'm pulling just a picture with a person in it, it is not it's not um uh giving me any sort of clues as to what the collection is. I mean mm-hmm. He, like if you saw my inspiration photo for lily putt you'd go i have no idea how she got from this point <laughs> to lily putt with that picture it, it is a huge stretch but it if you look at the two together you go oh my god it really works i can see it but you might not have seen it if you were just flipping through pictures and saw right. lily putt it's got nothing to do with the collection i mean kind of does because there was two kids in there but um and but pat got it right away she she understood what the collection was all about. i don't have to say anything it's Mm -hmm. just that way so that's a huge tip okay yeah you're designing i mean you're designing for yourself right you gotta Mm -hmm. love it but you're also designing for someone to buy it And like it almost kind of shows you your audience, you know, your, your, your your person you're, you're shooting for there. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, this is very inspirational for me as I'm working on this second (laughs) design of mine. you're speaking to my heart and I also want to pivot a little bit. So I've had you as a guest for the course that I teach where you talked about your quilt pattern. testers can you share with the podcast listeners which is also a bit of a hot topic in the quilting world people should I pay my testers what you know how do I compensate them can you just tell us what you do for your pattern testers and how you came about this um
1: I had not used pattern testers uh prior to two years ago um but I could see that how valuable It was to have testers for many reasons, not only just testing your pattern for the obvious part of it, testing the pattern, um, but for for getting your pattern more exposure, because if they're posting to their social medias, you're capturing their audiences. Um, You're also saving yourself a lot of work by making a zillion samples of your quilt to show the different possibilities. So you're all I'm just you know set them loose. I do my only requirements is that they use art gallery fabrics. Mm-hmm. So there's no you know um conflict there. But um and that's not a problem for them. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> But I don't supply them with fabric. I don't tell them, oh, you only have to use my prints or anything like that. Just art gallery fabrics is their only um, requirement there Um, and set them loose. Um, I don't pay them. Um, I pay them in, hopefully it feels like payment to them in um, just, constantly mentoring them when they have questions and stuff. I did a logo for one of the gals. Um, I've gotten them access to products from some different uh, businesses, that sort of thing, because they're testing for me, and then they're using it and they're tagging the people and stuff like that. So I'm hoping that that's enough payment for them. Um we're constantly sharing tips on photography and Instagram and, um, you know, best practices of stuff. So, you know, hopefully they're just getting kind of tips and tricks just from being part of it. I've st- stayed with the same testers. Some have left for whether they have just shifted gears in their direction or that they've, uh, started their own pattern writing and, you know, have it, gone off types of things. But for the most part, we still have the same core group that we started with two years ago, which is really nice. Saves me a lot of like rehashing of the same uh, information each time. It's just, I set them off and they go, you know, I don't have mm-hmm. to, yeah. Uh, tell them what my expectations anymore. So it's been really well, nice. And I it's think super
0: it's nice. It speaks to the value that you do offer that they have stayed for, you know, that long. And I know I've spoken to some people who've uh, (laughs) been a pattern tester and it is like, they love it. It's this community and they're learning from you. You're like a private tutor for them. I can tell you that is worth a lot. So it's it's a good deal. How Mm -hmm. do you keep in touch? Do you have like Marco Polo Voxer email Facebook group. <laughs> no, um
1: well we do we um we do have a a DM chat on Instagram for just kind of general stuff. Um I will text group or text individually. Um try not to be too invasive on each other's time and stuff with, mm-hmm. you know, with like 15 people it it can really take up a lot of time. So I try to keep it fairly businesslike and to the point and stuff. But yeah, we do get off on little tangents and things and personal things sometimes. But um but yeah, for no nothing fancy.
0: Yeah. Well <laughs> yeah. it works. It, it gets works the job exactly. done. Yeah. So if you for our listeners that are thinking about a creative career, whether whatever it might be, Do you have any tips that you can share with them? I mean, you've shared some great ones already, but.
1: (laughs) Um, Let's see here. Again, uh, find your voice and what makes you happy. Um, If you're just constantly following trends, well, that's already something that's out there. I, I mean, be aware of what's going on for trends, but the. Best thing to do the the goal is to be the one that's starting the trends. So if you're always following a trend, you're just always following. So at some point, you have to say, "Hey, I'm doing what makes me happy," you know. And 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 like I and like I said, it doesn't have to be what's on trend that makes you happy because there is a huge gamut of what. Is um, wanted out there as far as types of fabrics. It doesn't have to be what I do or what Elizabeth does, what you do. Um, there's just so many other kinds of things out there. So if you are one who likes blenders or you like um, batiks or something like that, well, find the company that fits your aesthetic. And then you can, you know, be the top in that but finding the right fit for yourself is really important for you yes. and the company too. So,
0: yeah, I love that. And so often I hear with students um, and I, I get it. I went through my own where, well, what do people want? Oh, that's really popular. Okay. I should do that. It does not work. well. It does
1: not work. It has to be sustainable. Yep. If you're doing what you love to do, then it's, you could do that for the Forever. next years or <laughs> whatever. Yep. Yep. But if you're constantly fighting and doing something that's just not you, think of it. You have to promote that. You have to have that on your feed. You have to, it has to fit with your brand. Um, and if you're constantly working against what's really you, if you like really like, you know, like cottage core, but you're trying to do modern stuff, it is just not going to work.
0: Yeah. And it's not fun if you're not doing what you love. And it's not sustainable. Mm -mm. Yeah. Which also on this topic, I also have students or peers in the quilting community who will say, oh, I think someone stole my idea. This looks so similar. And my biggest advice to them is don't worry about it. Like if they really are copying, that's not sustainable. And you are coming up with ideas. I mean, it speaks to people aren't dumb. They're going to notice if copying is happening. So that's my biggest two cents is like, just don't worry about that. You know? And and it is hard. Well, you can look at it both ways.
1: Uh, I myself, I really do not look at a lot of things out there. I do not want to be influenced. So on the, the other hand is if I don't know what's out there, I don't know if my stuff looks like somebody else's. So there's that. But, um, if you're constantly looking at somebody else's stuff, you're going to be influenced it by whether you want to or not, you are going to. And, um, so if you're, if you're doing your own stuff, if you're in your own head and doing your own stuff, then, um, you know, it's, it's going to be original work to the best part. I mean, all of us are influenced by stuff we see, whether we realize it or not.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. But, well, uh, that's interesting. Cause I, I think, I don't know, maybe the past couple of years, I've just stopped really looking at what's going on in the I community. I really
1: don't look at what's going on. I mean, I glimpse a little bit now and then because you can't help it. Right. And sometimes I do look at it and go, Oh, is that kind of like what I'm doing? You know? Right. Like, right. Then, and then I have to think, well, okay, then I just got to think of something new. Right. You know, yeah. I got to think of the next thing.
0: But it's the next thing. It's refreshing. I'm glad to hear you say that. And then Karina Gardner, who designs for Riley Blake, she said the same thing. Um, She just doesn't look at. And at first, because my students would say, "Oh, you know, so and so and so and so," I'm like, I feel like I'm not in the know anymore. But (laughs) I I know, I know. But I, in ways, it's kind of refreshing because if someone were to say that looks like so and so, I'm like, well, this came from this inspiration over here. You know, it's definitely not. You know. And you are, we are influenced by what we see and what we look at. So, yeah, I love to go look at nature or my childhood or, you know, things like that. And yeah, very cool. (laughs) Well... Thank you so much for being here. I feel like what what I would love, okay, I keep throwing out things, so I hope you'll do. <laughs> uh, I would love if you even had like a retreat and we just got to come and paint and draw with you and chat. You're just so fun. I feel like we're buddies and. Oh, I agree. Yeah. Well, we'll hang out in real life one of these days. So <laughs> oh, I hope so. I know, I know we're not doing the
1: markets anymore or anything, but uh, yeah.
0: Yes. Well, thank you so much for being here. You are one talented lady. If people want to find you, where should they go to find you?
1: My website's a good place at uh, Designs.com. And I'm on Instagram, Sharon Holland Designs. I'm not on Facebook. So it's really my website, which is just loaded with goodies and stuff. Um, Patterns free and to purchase. And, um, oh, and art gallery fabrics you can see my collections there
0: yeah and you've mine. got one coming yeah. out it's like a recoloring of
1: yeah uh the tribute collection uh listen to your heart is september in fact i just got the notice that the rolls are coming oh how exciting uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then, right. yeah yeah and all right yeah yep and
0: then cool. another one in um, november okay oh i didn't know another one's coming in yeah, november yeah All right. I'll keep our eyes peeled. Thanks so much, Sharon, for being here. It was a pleasure. Thanks, Elizabeth. Mm -hmm. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Sharon, thank you so much for being on the podcast. It was such a pleasure. I just love chatting with you. And if you haven't seen Sharon's designs or her quilt patterns, be sure to go and check her out at Sharon Holland Designs. She's just such a talented person. And as you heard, Very lovely and friendly as well. So next week on the podcast, it will be just myself. I'm going to talk to you about your email list. So I've stressed the importance of having an email list. Now I've had people reach out and say, what do you suggest I write about? How often should I be sending an email? How on earth can I do that at the beginning when I don't have a whole lot to be sharing with people? So join me next week, or I'm going to talk about all of the things email. I am going to leave you feeling confident and equipped with things you can actually email the people on your email list. So you're not just growing this list and doing nothing with it. Because as I have said, the email list is crucial for your business. So join me next week. I'll be right here on the Craft a Career Podcast. And until then, have a wonderful week.